This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. The new coronavirus has infected nearly 75,000 people and killed more than 2,000. And in the last month, what started as a crisis in China has become a global crisis for public health and for businesses everywhere. The epidemic has forced the world's second biggest economy into lockdown, as the Chinese government has put tens of millions of people under quarantine and severely restricted travel throughout the country. And companies that rely on China for manufacturing and for consumers have been paralyzed. Disney, Coca-Cola, Hilton, Adidas, Under Armour, Expedia, among many others, have all said there will be some negative impact on their businesses because of the virus. Because a lockdown China is disruptive. It wouldn't be quite losing your right arm if you're a righty, because that might be your own economy, but it's almost like losing the functionality of your left arm that you rely on heavily to do all your daily actions. This week, tech giant Apple became one of the biggest companies to show just how bad that pain in China, its left arm, can be. Today on the show, what happens when an economic superpower is also the epicenter of a contagious and deadly disease? Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. And I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Wednesday, February 19th. On Monday, Apple said it would take a big financial hit this quarter. The products Apple makes in China generate 70% of the company's revenue. And the coronavirus has ground its business there to a halt. Apple basically warned that it's not going to meet its revenue projections for the current quarter because of the coronavirus outbreak. They blamed two things. One is that the virus had limited iPhone production in China. And the other one is that the virus outbreak basically damaged demand for iPhones and other products in the country. Our colleague Yoko Kubota is based in Beijing, and she's been watching factories in China empty out as the new coronavirus has spread. The deserted factory lines have been especially painful for companies like Apple, which rely on an innovation called just-in-time manufacturing, a concept that became popular a few decades ago. Just-in-time is a manufacturing concept that was originated by Toyota. It gave an edge to Toyota in their early days of manufacturing cars because they were able to get their components just in time to their factories, which meant that they needed less inventory This has been a strong point of Toyota, and soon this approach had been adopted by not only other automakers, but uh, manufacturers throughout the world. So now this is common sense if you're making stuff. However, when epidemics like the strike and supply chain is halted, just in time becomes a weak point. Right, because there's no slack in the system. Yeah, exactly. So you may have a couple of hours worth of components, if not days, but after that, you run out and you just cannot make things anymore. And the just-in-time process doesn't work when nothing arrives on time. 
It was already a slow time of year for factories. The Lunar New Year had just begun, and workers were home with their families. But once the coronavirus started spreading, authorities made it basically impossible for workers to return to their jobs. Most workers, or at least many workers, are not hired locally. Many factories rely on migrant workers coming from outside their cities. And with the current limitation on transportation nationwide, that means that the factories still remain very empty because simply there just aren't all those people that are usually filling that scene. And on top of that, a lot of cities have quarantine rules where if you come back from outside of that city, basically you have to be home for 14 days. You cannot go back to work. So the quarantine in cities throughout the nation poses a lot of challenges for businesses. And one of it is transportation problems. For instance, for manufacturers, you rely on truck drivers that deliver components to you or that ship the goods that you've produced. And these truck drivers oftentimes go from one city to another, uh, one region to another to carry your components or goods. But because they're traveling from one place to another, when they enter a new city or a new place, at times they become target of quarantine. So this means that truck drivers are finding themselves stuck for 14 days or so after delivering goods. And that's really slowing down logistics um, and transportation and hitting manufacturers hard. Huh. There are also episodes that my colleagues have heard where just trucks are abandoned or stranded on the highways because they can't really go where they have to go to and they can't really go back where they came from because of these quarantine rules. So this whole infrastructure is just ground to a halt? That's right. I mean, there are places that are working, and depending on the types of stuff that you're delivering, if it's goods that's essential to keep, you know, cities running, uh, fresh fruit, etc., these things may get through transportation and logistics more easily than some of the less crucial things. But yeah, the logistics, transportation is hit very hard throughout the nation. Apple, in particular, has suffered financially because of these problems. As one of the biggest American companies operating in China, it's deeply reliant on the country's logistics and transportation system. When Apple was just beginning to start relying on China for manufacturing, what did it see and what has been the result of the advantages of having a big presence there? So initially, when Apple started producing in China in the 2000s, they partnered with contract manufacturers with factories there. The big attraction for them was cheap and plentiful labor. China is a big country. They have a huge workforce, a young workforce that is nimble and is able to do skilled precision manufacturing. But then a supply chain developed in China and in the region. Many necessary components can be obtained there. That doesn't exist elsewhere in the world, including in the U.S., So many companies followed the model of Apple and produced heavily in China. I think initially it was a cost factor, but now it's irreplaceable for other reasons. China's factories now account for a quarter of the world's entire manufacturing output. But businesses like Apple aren't just seeing their factories disrupted. They're also getting squeezed from a different direction. That's after the break. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. Hiring with Indeed, your search is over. 
With over 350 million global monthly visitors and candidate matching technology, Indeed helps you find quality candidates fast. As a listener of this show, Indeed is giving you a £100 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash thejournalpod. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash journal. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back. The rise of China as a manufacturing powerhouse helped fuel new jobs, which in turn created new wealth in China. And that means more people with money to spend. The rise of the Chinese middle class means that it's created a lot of new consumers that are ready to buy the goods being made in China and elsewhere. Yeah, companies all over the world are always talking about how they're trying to access the Chinese consumer. And you hear this like on earnings calls all the time. You're hard-pressed to come across a company that says it doesn't want to take advantage of or, you know, get access to the Chinese market. That's right. Because the consumer market is so big there, companies ranging from General Motors to Ford to Walmart all heavily rely on the Chinese market. For many uh, American companies, probably the biggest foreign market is China by now. Which means that not only have closed factories been a problem, but so has the fact that Chinese consumers aren't spending like they usually do. Basically, it's dent their demand to buy anything beyond the non-essential goods for a couple of reasons. One, people are scared to walk outside because they don't want to catch the virus, so why go shopping at a period like this? And secondly, people are just more focused on getting the goods that they need to survive this period. So... One case is Walmart. They just said in earnings that they're okay because they operate Walmart supermarkets in China. And even though there are quarantines in so many cities, the 430 stores that they have in China have not faltered because consumers still need to buy food and consumers still need to buy daily necessities. And therefore, their stores are still up and running. But take the example of Apple. Apple stores, um, I think there are 42 of them in China. They had to close those stores from early February because no one's coming to buy stuff or the local government is requiring for minimum operation of stores that are not selling essential goods. Starbucks has closed many of its cafes in China um, for the time being. Auto sales have been down already in January. Many restaurants are closed. Shopping malls are pretty empty. I would say that they've been quite deserted. And that's quite bad for retailers like Nike. Nike has said that the coronavirus will have a, quote, material impact on its operations in China. But Nike hasn't gone as far as cutting its revenue forecast like Apple has. It's quite rare that Apple releases these kinds of sales forecast cuts, even though they did so last year around this time. Again, citing China because iPhone was not selling very well there. So that was in January of 2019. And that was actually the first time in 16 years that the company reduced its revenue guidance. But generally speaking, if you look at 
Apple, historically, it's very rare that they make these moves. And there are plenty of other companies signaling that the virus could hurt their businesses too. And that is a problem for China. It's definitely not good for China. Economists are forecasting that, you know, the Chinese economy that's already been slowing in growth is uh, likely to slow even further. Manufacturing accounts for about 30% of China's GDP. It's hugely important. So when production lines are halted, not just at, you know, Apple's contract manufacturers, but really everywhere, that's also going to have a huge negative impact on China's economy. In fact, just this week, China State Council, uh, the cabinet announced that, you know, if you're in a low risk region, you have to bring up production back to normal levels. It was a signal that they're quite concerned about all the production lines being down. What is China doing to try to get the factories up and running again? Yeah, they're doing a couple of things. Take an example of Foxconn, Apple's biggest supplier. Um, Everyone's short of workers, and Foxconn is also the case. At the biggest iPhone factory in the world, the Zhengzhou plant in central China, they're offering some new and returning workers a bonus of up to around 3,000 yuan. Uh, That's about $430. Local governments are also, you know, working hard to ensure that workers go back to work uh, if the conditions on the ground is not severely impacted by the virus. So um, one example I saw recently was Sichuan in southwestern China is home to a lot of migrant workers. And um, they're stuck in Sichuan. They can't go back to where their factories are or where their companies are elsewhere in China. So the local government there has been organizing group trips uh, to ensure that workers can go from point A to point B by bus or by planes or trains. And the thing is, the workers don't have to pay for this. The fees are paid by the government um, as well as their employers. How do workers feel about this? Yeah, that's a good question. Many workers are eager to go back to work. They've been on this extended holiday that might have been fun in the beginning somewhat, but that means they're stuck at home and many of these people don't get paid during this time. So I think many are eager to go back to work. Uh, at the same time, though, I think many also have a fear. You know, you go out on the streets, you go back to factories where hundreds, if not thousands of workers are, you know, concentrated. And there's the risk of getting infected with the virus. So I think it's both, you know, they need to make money. And at the same time, there's that fear that, oh, I don't want to get infected with this virus. While the number of new coronavirus infections appears to be going down in China, health officials in the country have warned that the virus could rebound once people get back to work. But even as workers get transported in or paid bonuses to show up, it could still be a while, maybe as late as March or April, before China's factories are even close to being fully back up and running. What is this going to mean in the long run? I think it means a couple of things. For foreign companies, and ultimately, uh, from China's perspective, you know, foreign investment into China, um, foreign companies are likely to rethink what China means for them. You know, as a market, it's so big and so important, it's irreplaceable, that it's hard to imagine that this, you know, one outbreak is going to convince companies to say, we're not going to make stuff and sell stuff in China anymore. China's too important for that. But in terms of that heavy reliance on China, you know, one single place, um, one single country, when you manufacture goods, after the trade war and after this, 
companies may rethink their strategy and may consider diversifying their production sites to elsewhere in the region. If those types of production shifts do happen, they take time to implement. And in the near term, the economic impact on China is growing. The impact is going to be big. Some areas will probably be able to catch up, say production. Even if production halted for a while, uh, some of that is able to catch up if you work extra hours, if you keep working on the weekends. But there are just some lost things like services consumption. One business executive that I heard speaking was saying, you know, are you going to watch two movies every night? You know, are you going to do three facials every day to catch up on the lost consumption? People won't do that. So there are some things that are lost and we won't be able to catch up. An accumulation of those is likely to leave a huge dent in the economy, especially in China, but also elsewhere. That's all for today, Wednesday, February 19th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. If you like the show, follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We're out every weekday afternoon. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.